Man, I, I just bless you, uh, church, with that today. Just a reminder that God is at work in your life, even in those, those places that are coming to mind that you're like, no, it's not happening. Those are the places that God is at work in your midst. And so, um, Lord, I just pray perseverance over my brothers and sisters. I pray um, encouragement over them this morning as they uh, lean in to who you are, that they would find, uh, that you would give them little glimpses and rumors and whispers of your work in their life. And Lord, we posture ourselves this morning in faith to say that we want to receive all you have for us. And so uh, would you come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name to encourage and equip us and to convict us of sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. And I want you to look at Preston and I want you to look at Holden and I want you to smile at them through their mask, your mask. Guys, even if Spectrum's not working, he is still working, right? (laughs) Seriously, listen, this has been an area of uphill battle for us for for a year, okay? And like in Jesus' name, I just take back our territory of like wires and cords and say this is nonsense, seriously, because I've like... Holden was on the phone with Spectrum. I was like, listen, they've gotten enough of our time and our worry. We're going to post a recording later. And uh, so if you're watching this later in the day, thanks for your grace. But I'm just, we're going to stop striving against this. And this is like, y'all, the enemy is just, this is like, I had a professor at Moody that always said um, that like technology is just like the enemy's domain. And it really has felt that way because it feels like every time we get like an inch, we lose a foot. And so, like, seriously, do me a favor, church. Like, can you, like, encourage Holden and Preston and our tech team and Malachi? Yes, would you? Yeah. And, like, give them a hug because they, like, you guys should have seen, if you, were, if you were not in the room on Good Friday, the Good Friday live stream dropped. And, I mean, I swear to you, Holden was ready to, like, I was, like, worried he was going to faint from, like, the stress. So um, we're just, you know what? We're just going to keep pushing. Um, we're going to be in John 8. Man, I'm just, I'm stoked. Um, this morning, um, I forgot the Bible I usually preach out of, so I had to go get one out of my office, which it's good news, I'm a pastor, there's a few in there, and uh, so I have this like big one, it makes me feel like I'm here to like smack you, you know, like, it's just, it's just the one I could find. To me, it's, a, it's an important visual as a church that as I'm, even as I'm preaching off of this, that we see an open Bible, yeah? So, uh, over the last two weeks, we have been looking at the whole of the Bible and all of Scripture, and we have, as we have done that work, we've identified two themes. There's the theme of relationship and the theme of responsibility, and they twist around one another like a double helix of DNA, The God of the universe wants to be in relationship with you and has made it possible for that to happen through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, which gives us forgiveness of sins, which break that relationship. The God of the universe wants you to partner with him in his purposes. He wants to give us responsibility, and so to do that, he sets us free from the dark powers of selfish ambition. This is the good news. We can have relationship with God. We can have belonging and identity. We can know who we are because of who God says we are. This is the good news. We can have purpose and meaning as we take up our spiritual authority and join with God to bless the world. We can have an answer to that question. Why am I here? These two themes, can can you show me that DNA helix? 
Those two themes are all over the Bible. And in fact, they are in this room right now. Because this morning, you're going to be hearing about your gospel encounter, and I, and I want you to consider your personal encounter with Jesus. I want you to consider these themes and how they've intersected with your life in good news. This morning, I want to invite you to ask the question, what is my gospel? Not just what is the good news as a concept, but what is my gospel? What is my gospel encounter? Now, I say that, I say my gospel, and it might hit your ear a little strange because it sounds like I'm saying there is more than one gospel. I'm not articulating that there is more than one gospel. I am articulating that there is one gospel and a variety of ways that people, even in this room, have encountered that gospel. I want you to picture a beautiful landscape like this. I mean, look at the different colors of the rocks, the different plants, the different trees. Each flower is unique. The reflection of the sun off the water right now looks like that. In five minutes, it would look different. There's texture and shadow and variety. And I want you to imagine that this whole landscape is the gospel. It's the whole gospel. It's a huge amount to take in. And so God in his grace confronts us with just one part of that gospel. He encounters us and meets us where we are in just one little corner of this beautiful picture. He calls us to himself by offering relationship or responsibility to him. And then he invites us in a lifelong journey of exploring the whole landscape. If you go back, yeah, thanks, Preston. Exploring the whole landscape of getting to know every rock and nook and cranny. And here's what heaven is. Heaven is when we go over the horizon and find that there's more. In the words of C.S. Lewis, further up and further in, this morning I want to help you find where on this landscape I want to help you frame and name your encounter with the gospel. I want to help you frame and name your encounter with Jesus and give words to how that has changed your life. Here's another way to say it. Over the last two weeks, I've taken you and just chucked you in the deep end of Scripture. I pointed out these themes and these narratives of relationship, responsibility, of forgiveness and freedom. And I want you this morning to reflect on that overarching story and find where your story intersects with the bigger story. I want you to find yourself in the story that God is telling. And to do that this morning, I want us to look at two encounters with the gospel, two encounters with the good news. Gospel encounters that are defined by relationship, gospel encounters defined by responsibility, gospel encounters in which people find forgiveness, gospel encounters in which people find freedom. So let's start in John 8. In John 8. Your heads did a beautiful thump down together. Thank you for that. That was good. Jesus, uh, in John 8, Jesus is dragged into a conversation about a woman who's been caught in adultery She's about to be stoned, as the law declares, but this is what happens in, starting in verse 4 of John chapter 8. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses said to stone her, what do you say? 
They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. He stooped down again and wrote in the dust. Church tradition says that Jesus was writing the sins of the people around this woman that were holding stones. He's writing them in the dirt. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And Jesus stood up and said to her, Where are your accusers? Did even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. So Jesus says, Neither do I go in sin no more. Jesus extends a radical invitation to this woman, but he also offers her a challenge. Neither do I condemn you, Jesus says. He extends her forgiveness and grace, but he also says, challenge, go and sin no more. See, our cultural moment is, neither do I condemn you. Go about your business, and as long as it feels good, keep doing it, right? Jesus' response is, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. This woman has a gospel encounter and a good news encounter shaped by forgiveness. And so does a paralytic man brought to Jesus in Matthew 9. As Jesus heals him, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Jesus encounters another sinful woman in Luke 7 and offers a similar kind of forgiveness saying, I tell you her sins, which are many, are forgiven for she is loved much. In Luke 23, Jesus while breathing his last breaths, next to him on the one cross over is a thief who says to Jesus, remember me when you enter your glory. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Some of us have a gospel encounter. We meet the good news and we do that aware deeply of our need for forgiveness, of how our past weighs us down, how our mistakes crush us, how our indwelling sin causes us to wonder if God really loves us. And throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus encountering people over and over again with radical forgiveness and therefore deep belonging and new identity in Christ. This is the good news that the life and death and resurrection of Jesus makes it possible for us to have forgiveness. And some of you know that story. Some of you don't know that story, and I'm hoping you don't know it by the end of the day today. See what I'm saying? Some of us encounter that same gospel, but we encounter it in a different tone or a different tenor. So look with me at Mark chapter 5. Flip back to the gospel of Mark, starting in Mark 5. In this passage, Jesus encounters a man with an unclean spirit, a demon. This man lives among the tombs, Uh, He is given such strength from this indwelling spirit that they cannot even bind him with a chain. And in verse 6 it says, When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. And with a shriek he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus has already said to the spirit, come out of the man. Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, 
My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirit begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 plunged into the steep hillside, into the lake, and drowned in the water. So this man is set free from multiple demons. And as he is, the town that has kind of been trying to manage this problem, they are terrified of Jesus. Ironically, this man who has been set free is far from terrified. He tries to follow Jesus to go with him and his disciples. And Jesus says, no, 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 I want you to stay here. I want you to tell everybody about the freedom that you have found. This man has a gospel encounter shaped by freedom. And so too does Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, who in Luke chapter 8, verse 2, we find had seven spirits cast out of her, who later is the first person who gets to say, Jesus is alive. A centurion in Matthew 8 approaches Jesus, a Roman, a Gentile. He's begging Jesus to heal his servant. And Jesus says, I have not seen any such faith among any in Israel, but I find it with you. A Gentile, you shouldn't care at all, but I find it with you and his servant is healed. In Luke 8, a woman who has had menstrual bleeding for years and who has spent every last dime on doctors to make it better. She's now impoverished. As Jesus walks by, she simply reaches out and touches the bottom of his shirt, and she is healed. And Jesus says, I perceive that power has gone out of me. And that same passage, not only is this woman healed, Jesus raises a little girl from the dead. In Mark 7, I love this, in Mark 7 in the New Living Translation, Jesus heals a deaf man, gives him hearing again, And the crowd says, everything he does is wonderful. Everything he does is wonderful. Some of us encounter the gospel or the gospel encounters us and we meet Jesus in our desperate need for freedom. Some of us are deeply aware of that need for freedom from a darkness we can't escape, from an addiction that binds us, from a desire that is harmful to us and to others that we can't shake, from the crushing yoke of poverty and oppression. Others aren't aware of their need for freedom and need it all the same, chained as they are to career and money and to purpose and to pleasure. But nevertheless, this is the good news. The life and death and resurrection of Jesus make freedom possible as Jesus crushes the powers of darkness and invites us to citizenship and purpose in his kingdom. This is the good news. Freedom, forgiveness, responsibility, relationship. Why am I here? Who am I? And here's the call. No matter how we encounter that gospel, a gospel of freedom or a a gospel of forgiveness, the response that Jesus gives us is the same. In Mark 1, it says this. Later on, as Jesus was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time prepared beforehand has come at last. The time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. 
the longer you hang around Regen, the more you're going to find that this is a key passage to our life together because this is the basic work that Jesus calls on us to take throughout our whole lives, repenting and believing, changing our mind, changing our direction to further align ourselves with the kingdom and to believe, to step out in faith, not to just agree with some ideas or, yeah, that's pretty cool or that gives me the religious tinglies. No, to step out in a lived, vibrant expression of relationship with Jesus, to repent and believe, to repent and believe. And for some of you today, you're hearing the gospel again. And so Jesus' invitation is to repent and believe all over again. By faith, we've been praying for two or three people to put their faith in Jesus for the first time in this series. And I tell you that for a couple reasons. One, to increase our sense of anticipation in the room. Two, to show you that if we were right, sometimes God gives us an, an idea of things ahead of time. Three, to show you that if we were wrong, even the, even the leaders get stuff wrong. Okay? My hope, my prayer, is that today, someone walks out of this room repenting and believing the gospel for the first time. Um, and so, how do we repent and believe? How do we enter into that? How do we enter into this lifelong journey? Um, take a look at this video. So if someone asked me if the gospel was really good news, uh, the answer is, of course, yes. <laughs> yes. Unequivocally, yes. I would not be here without that good news. I remember, like, a time where I was a believer, um, but I hadn't really, like, stepped fully into what the gospel was. And just the change in my life is what I want other people to see and experience as well through um, believing that the gospel is good news. So the gospel's been good news in my life, um, most of my life. So I grew up in the South where everyone is kind of Christian by default. And, um, but I always had this inkling and this pull a little bit more towards God, more so than my family and things like that. Um, and I experienced a lot of instability and abandonment and loss as a child or growing up. And um, that was kind of a catalyst for me to have a lot of unhealthy behaviors and um, get busy putting people on pedestals and looking for love and uh, trying to be deemed worthy of love by anyone and everyone. And um, God was really so kind um, to gently and sometimes not so gently tear those things down. Um, and so it's just been good news because although I've sought love and comfort and satisfaction from all sorts of other things, um, those things could never satisfy me. And the love from God and the gospel is truly the only thing that has been satisfying and consistent um, in my life. And so that's why it's good news. I grew up in a Christian home where we all, loving Jesus was just, I don't remember a time not loving Jesus. So him being savior was always there, um, but making him Lord of my life wasn't. Um, so the good news for me was when I would incrementally give him lordship over parts of my life. It wasn't one and done. Um, and there were times 
months and even years of rebellion where I would just take control and do what I wanted to do. And God would pull me back. Every single time, God would pull me back. And for me, that is the good news, that he loved me enough to pull me back. Um, And when I would come back, my faith was stronger, my trust had grown, and I had a joy and peace that I can't explain that I didn't have in my rebellion. Uh, In rebellion, I had anxiety and depression. Um, I don't have that when I'm where I should be. Um, So the good news for me is, of course, salvation and eternal life. But in addition to that is that he loves me, even in my rebellion, and that he gives me joy and peace and purpose. No matter how old I am, he still gives me purpose in my life based on his promises. And to me, that's the good news. To me, that's really good news. The way it's been good news in my life is um, there was a time period in my life where I really struggled um, with some darker thoughts growing up as a kid. Um, I had a rough childhood, and around 17, um, there was a a freedom that came through the gospel uh, when I was in youth group, and it didn't make it all go away, um, but it gave me a way to, like, it gave me a way to escape the thoughts. Um, it gave me a way to bring healing and restoration to the thoughts. So I think over the last year, uh, it's been kind of a difficult time. Um, and even in the past week, it can be really easy to look around and feel overwhelmed and just hopeless and confused. And uh, sometimes we feel like we have to care about everything, we have to know everything, and have an answer for everything, and it's been such a comfort to know that because of the gospel and because of Jesus and what he's done for us, that I don't have to have all the answers, and that my hope is in more than this world and what is happening here and now. And although he cares deeply about what's happening here and now, that my hope is in this greater place and uh, in this greater person who has it all figured out already. So I, I can rest in knowing that I don't have to figure everything out. So in the last six months to a year, which is during the pandemic, um, the gospel has been literally a lifesaver. I think I could have been really depressed um, being socially isolated, um, but it has given me more time because I, don't, I didn't have all the other commitments running around and, and stuff. So it's given me time to um, have more Bible study, more reading the word, more prayer time. Um, in fact, I'm a little afraid that when the pandemic stops that I will give up some of that and I don't want to because it's been really good. So in the last year, um, knowing Jesus has helped us, helped me and my wife through a lot of uh, just attacks in our day-to-day. We've felt there's been a lot of things going on in our lives uh, over the last years where we've been struggling financially and they're like 
emotionally there's been attacks on us that we feel are from the enemy. Um, and just knowing that we can rely on Jesus and what his plans for us are um, has really been the only thing that's gotten us through those moments where we felt like we've wanted to quit and just throw in the towel, um, knowing that Jesus is there, knowing that we can always rely on him um, has really been the major source of strength through those times. So here's my question this morning. This is the this is the aha moment that I'm driving us to, okay? Have you had a gospel encounter? And if you have, can you articulate it? Have you had a gospel encounter? Can you articulate that gospel encounter? A gospel encounter is a moment when you are confronted by the good news. It's when you come to grips with the reality of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, not as just a vague historical fact or something best left in Sunday school lessons, but a moment in which you realize that you are being called into relationship with God, into responsibility with God, that you are being offered forgiveness and freedom. It's when you reach out by faith with your heart and your soul and your mind and you place your life and all of all of who you are into the hands of God. Now listen, a couple caveats to this to help you out. Not everyone has a climactic moment of conversion. Some of us are like Paul. We're walking along the road and wham, bam, we are knocked on our butts by the glory of God. And everything is different in that moment. Some of us are like Peter. Peter who one decision over a period of time after a decision after a decision after a decision one day realizes I'm a follower of Jesus. I've been encountered by the gospel. There's these journeys that we take. So I say that to say, if you can't remember a specific moment, you can remember a series of moments. Those are your gospel encounters. Uh, The thing I also want to say is that not all of us have dramatic testimonies. And that's me. I mean, I, I can't remember a time in my life when I didn't have a basic understanding of the good news. I can't remember a time in my life when I didn't understand that Jesus loved me. I, I can't remember a time that I didn't know that. Not all of us have dramatic uh, testimonies. And, and by the way, I, I would encourage you to pray that your children and grandchildren don't have dramatic testimonies. Don't pray that they need plucked out of a gutter in the middle of the night and and all of these terrible things to happen to them. Pray that they just never really knew anything different and season by season kept putting their faith in Jesus. A few weeks ago, I, was, um, I, put, I do bedtime most nights. And so we read a couple of stories to Jack. We sing to him. We pray for him. We lay him down. I lay him down. And we were reading a book called The God Contest. We've got these um, series of books called Tales That Tell the Truth. And this is about Elijah and... Uh, confronting the prophets of Baal, and then it becomes about 
Jesus and being the new sacrifice and all of these things. They're really good and really funny, and Jack really likes them. And at the end of the book, it said, do, the only question for you is, do you want to be on Jesus's team? So I said to Jack, I said, do you want to be on Jesus's team? Well, I actually, I should tell the whole story. I asked him once, one night, and he said, no. <laughs> okay. So a few nights later, I asked him again. I said, Jack, do you want to be on Jesus's team? And he said, yes. And I said, okay, let's pray about that together. And he repeated after me. And I'm fairly certain that over his life, Jack is going to need to make that decision again. I mean, he, he was two. He woke up yesterday morning wanting brownies. I don't know. But I, <laughs> my prayer is that those decisions aren't after tragedy and those decisions aren't after deep pain. And those, those, those just decisions are just by being around y'all just continue to make him want Jesus more and more and more. So it doesn't have to be this dramatic, climactic moment. Sometimes it's this series of decisions uh, that we make. And even for me, y'all, I, I am not who I was five years ago. And those of you who knew Kyle circa 2016 know that I am different than I was. And that's not because, you know, I've worked really hard. It's not because I've gotten therapy, although those things have certainly helped. Um, it is because the gospel is not good news once and then you're held in stasis. The gospel is good news every day as it changes us. And so I am less afraid. So I am more confident. I am more dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. And by God's grace, please may it be so that five years from today, I am not who I am now. This is being changed, as Scripture says, from one degree of glory to other, and this is important too. A gospel encounter is not, is not defined by, expressed by, uh, proven by the things you have done for God or having all of the answers. It doesn't matter how long you're a member of a church or what church that is, Listen, I am the first among you who so easily confuses the things he does for God with being in relationship with him. Don't make that mistake. Don't make the mistake that being busy for God means that you've been with him. I, I, I know how to do that. I know how to do responsibility with God, but I'm also very good at doing responsibility without God. Don't. Instead, think about my invitation to you is, can you name that moment or series of moments where you encounter the gospel? Can you name that moment or series of moments where, as the Puritans used to say, you were seized by the power of a great affection? Have you been seized by the power of a great affection or have you assumed the gospel? Have you just floated in and out of Midwestern religiosity where everybody's kind of a Christian and kind of not? Have you floated in and out of grandparents prayed prayers at Thanksgiving dinner and that was good enough, that made sure I was right with God? Y'all, God doesn't have grandchildren. God doesn't have great-grandchildren. It's you and Him or nothing. Have you come to this point where you're seized by a power of a great affection, where you understood the truths? Yes, I believe in God the Father, Almighty Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son. But you can, the, the demons believe that, and they shudder. No, have you stepped into a deep, abiding relationship with Jesus, where out of that fruit comes a responsibility and a purpose in the world?
See, here's what I'm asking you to do today. I'm asking you to stop and reflect. Have you encountered the good news? Have you personally put your faith and trust in Jesus? Have you encouraged and accepted? Have you encountered and accepted the good news? Are you living in forgiveness? Not perfectly. Are you living in the forgiveness that Jesus died to give you? Are you living in the freedom that Jesus died to purchase for you? And if you haven't received the gospel, today is the day of salvation. If you haven't received the gospel, I want to invite you to receive the gospel today. I want to invite you to, before you leave this building, to go and pray with someone today who would love to encounter you and Jesus in that moment together. I want to invite you to say yes to Jesus today. I want to invite you to extend imperfectly. And what does this even mean? Your faith to Jesus and receive that relationship and receive that responsibility. Do not, out of pride or shame, not do that today. Please. And and if you have received, by the way, I have a chart. Charts and alliteration, I honestly think, are a sign that God is working when I'm writing a sermon. Because I sat down to write this and read a full week, y'all, and I knew the sermon was coming. It's been the one I've been most anticipating in this series. And so usually my sermon writing process is about a four-day thing. We had a, a conference we were leading at. So I went to my office Thursday morning. I sat down. I said, Jesus, I'm so thankful that this is yours. And I mean, faster than it's probably ever come. It, and when there's a chart and when there's like the same letters over and over again, that's usually the Holy Spirit because I don't do this on my own. And, um, and so, and I'm, I'm making you laugh, but it's true. So, you know, if you re- reflect, if you've not received the gospel, please receive it today. If you have, and even if you're receiving it, move over. Can you recite the gospel today? Can you recite your gospel and story today? Here's what I mean by that. I want you to go home today. I want you to pull out your laptop or your phone and your notes app or get a, there's these things that's called pens and paper. And I want you to write down your gospel encounter. I want you to write it down. And and here's how you could do that. You could say, before I met Jesus, this is who I was. And then I met Jesus. You know, describe what were you like before knowing Jesus. And I met Jesus by, think think about the places that played a significant role. Just in a conversation a few weeks ago, somebody said, this is a place that I encounter God. What are the places? When are the times? Who are the people? Write this down. And by the way, if you're like Kyle or like Steph, grew up in homes where their Christianity always was, before I met Jesus, I was like a toddler, right? So I was in constant rebellion and sin. Those of you with toddlers, no. Um, but it's, it's sometimes, if you can't really remember that pre-Jesus time, it's kind of really leaning into that, how have, what are those moments of transformation I see along my life's journey? Recite that. And here's the deal. Don't just recite it and keep it to yourself. Can I ask you to do this? Can I ask you to report it? To report it. Here's what I mean. Write that down and then sit your kids down and tell them. Write a letter to your kids and grandkids. Mail them. Say, here's my accountability step, by the way. I actually feel really convicted to do this for my brothers. Um, which I almost cried about, so that's probably the Holy Spirit. So um, I will do that this week. I um, um, Report it. Write it down and share it. 
Call someone this week and say, let's have coffee. My pastor's making me do something uncomfortable. Can I do it to you? Um, um, uh, can you... Can you report? And then, and don't just do that. Don't just report it. Report it to your spouse. Report it to your parents. Report it to somebody this week. But then also send it. So email it to us or mail it to us. And here's what I want to do with all of those. I want to take all of those written stories. And if you think Kyle knows my story, I pretend I don't. Because I want to take all of those written stories. I want to print them out. I want to get them. I want to lay them on a bed. And I want to roll around in them like I'm like Scrooge McDuck and it's money. I'm not kidding. Because you know why? This is why we're here. I am not a purveyor of religious goods and services to keep you comfortable. Either this is our story or this is our song, or we're just faking it, and I ain't interested. I ain't interested. Either this is all of who we are, or we're just some vague club, and it would be a lot easier. We wouldn't have to wrestle with the live stream if we were at the Kiwanis Club. No, either we are at war and taking back enemy territory from an enemy who hates the very thought of us being in this room, or we're nothing at all, y'all, please recite it. Please report it. And if you're a person who is sitting here today and say, I don't know if I could do those three bullet points, it might be because you've not received the gospel yet. If you're on the edge, listen, I understand. We live in kind of a cultural moment. 30, 40 years ago, you could do an altar call and there was enough Christianity in the background that somebody could make an altar call and really know what they were doing. If today you say, I don't know if I'm ready to put my faith in Jesus, but I do want to take a step toward Jesus, please go back and pray with somebody today. Because we would love to journey with you and ask all those questions. Because some of you are like Peter. Some of you need somebody to walk alongside you for one year, two year, three years, 15 years, right? Before you can make that decision. But do not, do not, do not, do not do nothing. Please. One of the other videos, we actually showed it in the earlier service because it just, the Spirit kind of identified that that would be good over there. Uh, somebody said, you know, eternity is this long. And our lives are like this. We only have this time to make this decision. And so, like, don't let pride or shame or I, everybody at this church thinks I'm a Christian already stop you, okay? So I'm going to pray for you, and Steph's going to lead response time. Um, Lord God, you are, even if we cannot see it with our eyes, our hearts can say that you're moving in this place, and we're grateful. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in this place in a fresh way. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would even give Steph the words right now to lead us as we respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So here at Regen, one of the things we want to do is not just be people that hear the word, but we want to be doers of the word. And if there's ever a Sunday where we want to act on that, it would be the Sunday. So my invitation for you is if you're someone who you know that you've received the gospel, you, you even kind of know your story, my question is who is the Father highlighting for you today to, to recite it to? So during our reflection time, I'm just going to invite you to pray and ask the Father, like, who is the person that needs to hear the good news from me, from my lips, that you, what you've done in my life? So that's the, the first question. The second question um, if you haven't received the good news, or if, like Kyle said, you're on the edge or you're not sure, 
My question would be for you today, what's stopping you? And I would, I would be brave enough to say that the Father wants to speak to you about that, and that if you would sh- like engage with him even just in your head, that's what praying is sometimes, talking silently to ourselves in our head, but we're talking to God, I would invite you to say to him, I don't know if I can say yes because of blank, and let him give him the opportunity to speak to you about that. Um, I would invite you, if you're someone whose heart is pounding and you're like, the last thing I want to do is this Sunday to go back for prayer because that feels like maybe I'm making some big statement. If your heart's pounding today, do it. And know that there's so much grace here. There's so much love for you here. And whether that's you need prayer for spiritual things that we're talking about today, whether that's emotional or physical things, we're going to take communion in a moment. But after that, our oversight team will be back in the Otterbein room and we would love to pray with you today. Um, So let's take a moment and ask the Father, who should I share the good news with? What's keeping me from believing the good news? And just reflect and let him speak to you. Father, we confess that sometimes we let comfort, our own comfort, get in the way of having a heart that's broken for what breaks yours. So Father, I pray today for courage to share the good news with the people that you laid on our hearts. Um, God, we can kind of have this mindset that, and I confess that I do too, that it's it's uncomfortable, it, it might make them feel awkward, I'll feel awkward, and yet Father, We know that your love supersedes that discomfort and that the importance of them knowing the truth about who you are is so much greater um, than feeling comfortable. Father, I pray for those today who don't yet know you and who feel this barrier or this boundary to belief. Father, I pray that you would tear that down. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come, that you would open our eyes and our hearts to you today. Jesus, we thank you for coming, for dying on the cross for us, for coming back to life again so that we can know God and have relationship with him, so we can be with you forever. And so we just ask these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. For those of you looking at the clock, I just want to say it out loud that I think the best weekends are the the closer we get to 1230, the better it gets. So I was like, oh, wow, that's been a long time. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as if God was making his appeal through us. 
we implore you on behalf of God, be reconciled to God. Um, Sonia on our prayer team said, uh, and this might not be the Lord, but if you had a dream last night that you're st- is sticking with you, go talk to Art about that, okay? And if you've been hanging around Regen, that'll make more sense to you the longer you're here. I love you so much. Honor to be on the journey with you. We'll see you next week. Peace.